Kia ora and welcome to the Creative Matters podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with New Zealand artists. I'm your host, Mandy Yakich. These conversations are intimate, uplifting and insightful. The guests on the show have absolutely enriched my life and I'm sure their stories will have the same effect on you. Thank you so much for joining me to listen to these amazing people speak about what drives them, the way they work and their personal takes on life. Good morning and welcome back to Creative Matters. This episode is part of Season 3, which is generously supported by Creative Communities Scheme Auckland. This week I'm speaking with Logan Moffat. Logan is a painter who graduated from Elam School of Fine Arts with a BFA Honours in 2018. Since then, he has been painting full-time from his little studio in Pukekohe in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland. Capturing the portraits of people through highly detailed oil paintings at uni began his interest in exploration of painting. These early studies of people have since evolved into paintings that attempt to communicate the portrait within, provoking thought with the viewer through their interaction of the large-scale and often unconventional-shaped canvases to offer the viewer a moment of pause and introspection away from the distractions and cacophony of every day. A hundred people on the beach watching a sunset is a hundred different sunsets. And that's because just every single person has a different experience. And I almost see the painting as a sunset, like in that situation where a hundred people will look at a painting and it's a different experience for every single person. And that's why sometimes I don't like giving away too much information in my works. In 2018, Logan received the Adam Portraiture Award for his painting Elam. At that time, he was the youngest recipient to receive this prestigious prize. And since then, he has had three solo shows and a number of group shows. Logan initially thought he would find it really hard to talk about himself and his work, but I think he ended up really enjoying himself. And we have a wonderful conversation about his inspirational painting practice, his fascination for the portrait and how he can play with it, his interest in virtual and augmented realities, how and why he creates irregularly shaped canvases and frames for some of his work, and how he found being a fine art student at Elam School of Art. You're going to love this conversation. Morena Logan. Kia ora, Mandy. How are you? Very well, how are you? I'm well, thank you, and a very big warm welcome to the Creative Matters podcast. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for agreeing to do it. So I did meet you a few weeks ago at Arcadia, uh, and that was curated by Jessica Agerson Cleary, and uh, I met you there and was so blown away with your work and your show, and... We had a bit of a chat and I said that maybe you might like to come onto the podcast and you were a little bit horrified to begin with. Yep. <laughs> but I managed to secure you. I wouldn't say I'm that good at talking about myself. It's something that frightens me a bit. Um, 
I don't know, I think it's quite common with artists talking about themselves. It's kind of a, a weird situation. But um, I realise that it's an awesome opportunity and I saw your podcast and I've recognised quite a few names of artists I, I know and talk to. So I thought, why not push me, push myself out of the comfort zone and give it a give it a go yeah if they can do it you can do it (laughs) but it is one of those funny things especially for some artists it's it is kind of hard to to talk about but I think as you get older you get better at sort of um I guess processing what you're Mm. doing and and then verbalizing it because you you just get more used to having to do that yeah for sure yeah and you're 24, 25? 25, yeah. 25, so you're you know, very much at the beginning of your career, which is amazing. Yeah. And I think your story will be really inspiring for you know, high school art students coming through consider- considering Elam, but also um, Elam students to see mm-hmm. where you headed off after that. But then also emerging artists and other artists just uh, to hear how you work and how you paint, I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah, cool. Hopefully I have something to offer. (laughs) I'm sure you will. So thank you very much and welcome again to Creative Matters. Thank you and thank you for having me here. You're welcome. Okay, let's go back to the beginning, Logan, and um, it'd be really interesting to know how you actually got into your painting and what sort of child you were. Hmm, What sort of child I was? Um, So I've been drawing for as long as I remember. used to just draw comics really cartoons and all that and uh my mum and dad were both really supportive and encouraging of just me being creative at an early age even my grandparents like whenever I went on trips with them or like staying at theirs would do something creative which was influenced from that early age and from there at high school I mean going through school I went to Strathallen out in Karaka um and they were they've always had quite a good art department so um from year three or even year two I remember my art classes then and they were always the highlight of my my schooling days and then moving to high school started painting more with acrylics I think it was and then by year 11 my art teacher said you should try oil paints and at that stage I was painting animals I just yeah loved painting like wild animals or native birds and um the art teacher said you I can paint eyes really well too so that she was like why don't you try portraits so um moving on to oil paints I started painting portraits in year 12 and I had a real connection to it and a real and interest in the human subject and then it kind of just developed from there and Mm. not that I was I think I wasn't dumb at other subjects I although up until year 12 I think year 10 my dad recently told me that he had a stern talking to me because he got a letter from the school saying your son needs to like really like pull pull finger finger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, especially with like the following year was the big exams and all that so Mm. um yeah, I remember year 11, I would, I was a hermit. I'd just be in my room studying and um, I think I by year 12, I just blew out <laughs> and really? then decided I just want to focus on painting. So I got, got my grades in the other subjects and kind of just was like I, painting or like art creating is the only thing really that I can see myself doing in the future. 
And what, in those early days, Logan, what do you think it was that was drawing you to the human figure and to painting portraits at high school? I went to the zoo and took photographs and started painting those animals and I saw that there was quite an interesting conversation to have with our relationship with zoo animals or wild animals, extinct animals. Um, and yeah, when I started painting the eyes, there was something in the eyes that was quite striking and um, kind of was quite emotive and told a story. Mm. Um, and so the eyes kind of drew you to yeah, to the it next definitely step. was the eyes mm. in the early stage. Yeah, um, yes, and so. your teacher obviously saw a talent there with your painting. Oh, well, all my art teachers they were very supportive of me. So, um, oh, they're supportive of everyone really. But mm. they, um, it was really nice actually to have their support. Really, um, even other teachers like I remember art teachers sharing photos around or like like sharing with all the other art teachers and they'd come up to me and be like oh wow that, I love you keep doing that Logan don't mm. stop doing it and that was definitely motivating yeah um, well, it's very affirming at that age we kind of need that reassurance for sure yeah that's so good and teachers they just have so much impact <laughs> they do yeah you know negatively and positively I suppose mm-hmm. but yeah nice that you had that positive influence mm. at high school and then you decided to go to Elam. So how did that decision come about? Um, so end of year 13, or probably mid-year 13, I went to a few open days, so like Whitecliffe, AUT and Elam. Um, and really I was just looking at the resources and um, the equipment that they had on offer. Um and also Elam kind of had a good name for itself. I, th- I feel like it's probably the oldest art school in the country. Mm. Um, and some big names have come come out of, emerged from Elam. So that was kind of reassuring. Um, and went in for an interview with, I think it was the headmaster at the time. Um, he had like pet cockroaches crawling over him and I thought I I don't think he realized he did but I was like this is a strange school (laughs) he he wouldn't have noticed but yeah I thought that was kind of funny (laughs) it was my earliest memory of being at Elam and then um yeah just chose Elam and went for it and what were you thinking career-wise were you expecting to become an artist that was your goal yeah I knew I wanted to be an artist. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Um, but I, it was always going to be something creative. Um, and kind of, I had that support from my mum and dad at an early age where no matter what I'd do, they'd, they'd um, I don't know, just be proud, I guess. Yeah, and support <laughs> and, you. Yeah, support me. Um and that makes such a big difference, doesn't it? Because yeah. so many people I've talked to on the podcast have had parents who have been nervous about, you know, yeah. focusing on just on being an artist and not having another career as such. Yeah, for sure. And like being like schoolmates, I mean, hi, um, Elam mates, uh, talking about their relationship with their family and what their decision was to go to art school. It was quite different to mine. And... It's kind of unfortunate, um, or it is very unfortunate, um, but mm. the world needs artists and creative people. 
totally. as much as yeah. other things. And, so. I mean, it, good on you for believing in yourself and, and making it happen. So let's go back to the beginning of Elam. How did you find it when you first started? And for people who don't know, Elam is um, New Zealand's, well, it's Auckland School of Fine Art, which yep. is collect, connected to Auckland University. Yeah. Uh, first year, well, first couple of months was kind of a shock because I went in as thinking I was an oil painter and I loved painting portraits. Um, but then when you go to Elam, you realize pretty soon that it's not a traditional painting school <laughs> or a realism portrait school. So, um, that. So earlier on, I realized I've got to just temporarily push this aside, my my um, preconceived beliefs of what I want to do or what I think I should be doing. Um, and that really helped me. I kind of just opened myself up to different materials, different ways of thinking, approaching an idea, which um, moving forward really informed how I'd return back to um, painting the portrait which I ended up doing in my spare time while still at Elam. Mm. So you weren't necessarily making portraits at that time? No, but I guess they were still like subconsciously portraits to an extent. Um, yeah, but no, I was doing things like ready-made objects um, out of like found materials, did some, I can't quite remember, but a whole range of different mm. mediums and and yeah. just, I guess, having that sort of, just being able to let go of, of what you did and what you felt like you were good at, mm. I, I suppose, is quite a challenge. But just being open to that sort of more experimental um, approach. Yeah, for sure. And that, like, even to this day, I think it's important for myself to just experiment, not kind of push aside what I think I should be doing, but just try something new and seeing how that can inform what I'm what like what I think I should be doing to mm, an extent so yeah. um, bringing new ideas into an idea I might have had to like rejuvenate or refresh it mm, yeah and I can see that in your work for sure and so how did your journey through Elam through the three-year course go um, oh, I made it. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I made it, but um, so I was commuting from Pukekohe during the whole four four years because it was a four year course at the time. I think oh, it's yeah. three now. Yeah. Um, and I think I missed out a lot by doing that. Um, a lot of the social side of it, I wasn't as immersed in the whole atmosphere um in the studio um, environment and all that i'd prefer to be at back in pukekohe in my own little room painting um so looking back i if i was to do it again i'd definitely submerge myself in that um environment more mm. yeah that's interesting yeah and um yeah that's really interesting because some people in, that I've talked to on the podcast have said that they have, like Elliot Collins, found mm -hmm. his people and sort of suddenly thought, oh, there's a whole bunch of people like me who think mm -hmm. like me, yay. 
Did you find find that? Did you feel like that? Or did you feel, even though you didn't feel like you had enough time to develop those connections as strongly as you might have, mm-hmm. did you kind of still think, yeah, these are my people? For sure. Like, um, there was definitely people I was more comfortable or, like, connected to more so than others. But then I think there, I would have connected to more people if I had the time or went to the parties and um, was just had that more like that time to like more personal mm. um communication but uh like right now i'm i've still friends with multiple people from my years at elam and um even people i don't talk to much like i'll bump into them and we'll, we'll have a catch up and i still see their art i go to their exhibitions and i think it's yeah it's it's pretty cool like um to find like a group and it's like i guess it's your your first sort of artist network yeah that that's your sort of base network that you're going to build from there yeah for sure which and like, is great i've had group shows with them like daryl um he i graduated from with him in 2018 and we had a group show uh start of this year and yeah and just those connections it's just yeah mm. inspiring and really fun yeah I think that's a big, huge plus for going to art school, is making those connections. And um, how did you actually find it? Did you enjoy it or did you find it challenging? I found it challenging. Um, A lot of it was writing. Um, I loved the creating aspect of it and the studio time, but then realising that I have to write about my work and talk, talk about it. I remember teachers and students getting annoyed at me in crits because I wasn't giving them any feedback or any, I wasn't giving away anything about my works. So I just let, left it to them to say whatever they want. And I, I just remember some, some students got really frustrated with that. And I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but looking back, I, sh- I think if I engaged with those situations more, I would get so much more out of it. Um, learn so much more about what I'm doing in my work but yeah the writing aspect was always challenging for me Um, it's a different way of viewing what you're doing definitely doesn't come natural to me yeah Um, but yeah it's really helpful though Um, not just for painting but just understanding life and yourself Mm. um, and communicating with others it's yeah yeah so four years later do you find that it helps you in your in your present artistic career, being able to talk and write about your work. Yeah, for sure. Um, like as much as it was hard going through, not hard, but it was just an interesting experience for me. In hindsight, yeah, I realised how impactful that critical thinking and just that how my approach to painting has changed um, from that experience. And like I said before, it also applies to like, comes down to like my outlook on life and how I understand myself and my environment around me. And that um, then impacts or like influences how I produce my work. Mm. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's it was influ- worth going yeah, through worth, the process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, brilliant. And can you tell us about your final painting show at the end, graduation show? So I just remember getting halfway through that year and I had no idea what I was 
wanting to what I was going to present at the end of the end of year show and um prior to that I hadn't really been working in oil paint to the extent I was normally um like at high school and stuff and I although I was working in oil paints and like that style of um I was still painting in my own time at home separate from the work I was creating at Elam and I was at that stage I was thinking how can I bring this it's my last year I know that I love painting these works I'm doing at home how can I bring this into Elam and use what I've learned at Elam to develop these works I'm painting at home and that's when I started looking at figure to bring the figures back into my work but then looking at the environment of these figures and it kind of was uh, merging um, the internet like social media the personal space of the studio and either the artist or just um, random figures of strangers either selected from Instagram or taken myself um, so yeah it was like an amalgamation of all those things that at that time I I thought I knew what I was doing with them um, but a lot of times with my paintings it's not until later where I realise that what I'm actually what I'm actually achieving here or then again, you constantly, like for myself, I constantly see, depending on the day, I'll interpret my work differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started with those paintings and what I really um, liked about that, well, that, that period, those five paintings that I ended up creating for the grad show have really informed my um last four years of painting um and one of the aspects was the frames that i first started doing at that that time um the canvas frames and i was so i spent a little bit of time in the wood workshop at elam and that's because like i could afford the canvas to paint on but i couldn't afford the um stretcher bars and i realized i can just pretty much make them for free at the Elam Wood Workshop, and I was I thought why why am I just making conventional frames when I can like have a bit of fun and make these strange warped I don't know unconventional shapes, and they weren't actually random even I don't I don't think they look random but um they I would start with um the unstretched canvas on on the wall mm. um start with my idea the um environment and the figures and the space and from there i would start to understand how i could make the shape to fit this structure or this um, environment that i'm creating inside the painting and um yeah then i'd go and make it and stretch the can stretch the painting when it's half finished and then finish it off and Hope, hope it works. <laughs> mm, finish it off in the frame once it had been framed. That is so good. Well, not framed, but once it had, once it was yep. been had been stretched, yeah. And then you can see that, as you say, you've really responded to the shapes within the painting, but which is really interesting. And that is definitely, you know, a big feature of your work now, as you say. Yeah, for sure. And 
at the time, I may have not realized why I was doing it to an extent, but now I love painting large and doing weird things with the shape of the canvas because I want to give the viewer a different experience, um, encourage them to look at the painting a different way or capture their eyes for a prolonged period of time Mm. and make them question or... And it really does that because it's so unusual, isn't it, to see irregular-shaped works. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. It's actually quite surprising that more artists haven't done it. I know, yeah, there's there's a few artists. I don't know, I feel like it could be really tacky at the same time, but I, I try not to think about that. <laughs> no, I don't think it is with your work at all. And uh, with that series of, of the five works of um, people in sort of studio spaces mm-hmm. or versions of studio spaces, were you trying to capture your experience at Elim, do you think, or were you commenting on other things? It emerged from painting what was around me in those environments. So um, I have one painting where it was my studio in Pukekohe, which was just an empty bedroom. And then I started painting these larger um, Elam studio spaces with like the turquoise green floors and um, kind of juxtaposing or like um, overloading them with more street kind of life with I don't know you've got a car in one of them and you've got strange like people in fashionable clothes just walking around and I don't know I think it was just that balance of having that personal space but then trying to escape it but trying to like have a pause from the chaos but then you've always got your phone on you so your phone's going to constantly have chaos on it even when it's in your studio so I don't know it's yeah and I think that's why I didn't like being in the Elam Studios painting um because I didn't find it my personal space and I feel like I needed I need more of a a safe environment for myself just to create freely yeah um, I can understand that. And some of those figures had covered faces. Was there anything behind that? I've in different ways over the last four years. Like in those works, I, there are some faces I purposely didn't paint. Um, and some of them are actually based on like celebrities and stuff that I just screenshotted off Instagram, merging like Instagram people or like stolen imagery from imagery I took myself. Um, and also there is masking of like myself um in my studio there's a portrait of myself in the studio and that's actually just a rectangle canvas like just standard standard shape and um i chose to paint my uh studio in pukekohe and instead of painting myself in the studio i used my mate as a model to kind of be the artist or more like a a mask of myself. Mm. Um, and that kind of really encouraged how I'd approach portraits moving forward. Yeah. Mm, interesting. 
And uh, you did actually win the, as you mentioned, the Adam Portraiture Award in 2017. Yeah. And that's uh, while you're at Elam, I presume. So that was with a portrait called Elam. Yep. And at that time, you were the youngest ever recipient of that very prestigious Aotearoa mm -hmm. Award. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. And as you may know, I also talked to Jessica Guernsey <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> earlier, and she has taken your uh, <laughs> your title, <laughs> and she is now the youngest the youngest recipient of the award at eighteen. So how old were you then? Um, twenty one. Twenty one. Just turned twenty one, I think, the day after. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, how did that all come together, and and what made you enter that award? Um. So I first entered. The Annan Portrait Awards when I was 17 I th or 16 and I, with one of my oil painting portraits, um, I was literally in Wellington for at my granddad's birthday and one of his friends was like, "Have you? why don't you enter the Annan Portrait Awards? Like, um, and I was like, I don't know what they are. And he was like, well, tomorrow's the last day to enter, so you should enter. And I got into the finals for then, so selected out of 60 artists. Wow. Um, and then, because it's a biannual, every two years, yeah. Um, and then from there, I just started entering, and I I kind of use it as an opportunity to push myself and see where I can, like, take the portrait. And so two years later, I painted Stitch, um, Barber from Ponsonby Central. Um, he's a good dude. We're still friends. Um and that that actually got second place um and then that that painting was um an important transition as well for my i, I guess tra trajectory of work because i started looking at not just the person's face but the environment of the subject um and then, yeah, in 2017, I painted Elam, which was um, Harry and Jaden in their studio with just getting ready for, um, I think, one of the one of the Elam shows and work all over the floor. And it was just a really, um, I don't know, just captured, captured that moment really mm, well. And you really did. My largest work to date. Um, and from there, I realised how, how much painting large how much I enjoyed painting big mm, works. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of your work is mostly big now. Yeah, but I'm trying to go smaller. It's so hard and <laughs> going smaller <laughs> again. But um, no, I'm, I've got a few smaller works I've told myself I need to work on because big works take up too much space. And Yeah. Yeah, it's just a space thing and I guess a time thing. For sure. Yeah. But it's a shame. I mean, if you feel like painting big, that's obviously where your heart is. Although small work... I I can get quite bored as well painting a large work if it's not coming along right. Um, but I definitely find recently painting smaller works has really helped. Uh, they're much faster. You can um, experiment a bit more and um, not, yeah, not be too fussy. So it's um, yeah been quite helpful returning mm. to smaller works. Mm, that's interesting. We'll come back to talking about your process at some point. So just finishing off um, the talking about Elam, mm -hmm. so you did that amazing show. You um, 
passed with honours. Yep. <laughs> Bachelor of Fine Arts. Well done. Thanks. And what was your plan then? What were you thinking? Um, from the grad show, I had um, made a few connections with buyers um, and other um, artist people. <laughs> so that kind of gave me some reassurance. And um, so after Elam, I started, I continued to paint, but... Um, didn't feel like it was going anywhere I was painting experimental works and not really having a style or um, something I I was feeling confident about at the same time I had some part-time jobs and stuff just to help with the bills and stuff um, although I didn't really have many bills in thanks to my dad with cheap rent <laughs> and what was your work like in that first year out of university looking back at it like it's kind of a blank to me i kind of i I prefer not to think about those works really um they were they were all right they they definitely if i didn't do them i wouldn't be where i am right now i guess um but yeah they didn't really have real i don't know purpose to myself they were kind of confused um Mm. but that really encouraged me to step back and have a look at what I, what it is that I want to be painting or communicate. Yeah. Um, I can imagine a lot of students come out of Elam a bit like that, sort of maybe just losing direction slightly until they've kind of figured out in their heads exactly where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I, I still don't know where my painting's going to take me next year or the year after. Or, mm. Yeah. Interesting. And then you went to... Beijing mm-hmm. in China. Can you tell us about that experience in 2019? Yeah, so um, I was with a, not really with the gallery, but there's a gallery, a Chinese New Zealand exchange kind of gallery um, called AI in Epsom. And Ling, she, she's been supportive of my work for probably the last six years. And um, wow. she, there was this opportunity where artists were going, New Zealand artists were going over to Beijing for uh, the 2018 Beijing Biennale. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, Ling invited me over for kind of an artist exchange. So it was the first one she's attempted and so I was kind of like the guinea pig um so I spent a week in Beijing a week in Xi'an and a week in Xingdu um staying at like artist villages meeting local artists um going to galleries went to Beijing I mean went to Great Wall of China Terracotta Warriors it was really cool experience Mm, how amazing and were you actually making work there at all so the times I did have where I could had nothing planned, yeah, I started to make some work. Um, I think the final place I stayed at, I was invited to one of the local artist studios and he just told me I can use his paints and paint in them. And we ended up collaborating, doing a piece together, um, which was really cool. Um, Amazing. He, yeah, so that was that was really special. And I remember going out, he took me out for dinner and all that and even though he couldn't speak english i can't speak chinese we just it was a really cool connection to have yeah that's incredible mm-hmm. how do you think that has that experience has influenced your approach 
to painting and expressing yourself through your painting? Definitely returning from that experience in China has impacted how I'd move on to painting um, because the year prior to that, after leaving Elam, I had no like I was just doing these paintings, which I wasn't too pleased of. So going to China, it's interesting. There's um, it was really inspiring actually. These artist villages they have, mm. and seeing this community of artists that kind of work in this shared space, even though they have their own studios and stuff. But a lot of these artists as well paint in mega scales as well, which I thought was quite cool and the colours they use and the subject matter, it was all very intentional. Um, and I think that was just inspiring as well, just though how important those connections mm. with other artists or other people are and the impact that these large paintings had on me and my desire to, from then, think more about the audience and how they could... Um, have an experience or like get a new experience through what I can share mm. with them. Yeah, making you more aware of how your audience yeah, is going sure. to respond to your work. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. And did you feel inspired to actually paint some of those scenes that you saw in China in the studio spaces? Um, yeah, I actually didn't actually paint many studio spaces. I didn't I think I painted any, but thinking back like, I took plenty of photos and these studio spaces were pretty incredible, some of them. Um, but I, yeah, I remember coming back to my studio and thinking how I really want like a, like a tea table or like a coffee table because every studio there, it's, I think it's like kind of a tradition, but that have these amazing, like um, just huge tea set up where it was guests would come in and you'd have a tea and then they'd take you around the studio and I thought it was just like a really nice commun- mm-hmm. communion kind of A nice man. tradition. Tradition, yeah. Sort of routine that you do. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and then I went to other studios where artists would hoard heaps of, like, things and there'd be, like, trinkets and, I don't know, traditional, like, um, garments and things everywhere and I thought that was, like, there's so much to take in Mm. um yeah and it's really telling such a story isn't it of people's lives and cultures so i kind of wish i paid more like documented that a bit better yeah um but But it's part of your journey isn't it mm. and in hindsight you often see things that you might have done Mm. but it'll probably come back into your painting at some point yeah wouldn't be surprised (laughs) yeah so uh, that sounds like an amazing experience and then you came home and um, you did a a show at All Press Studio in 2020. Yeah. And was that the next step after that experience? Yeah, yeah. I was really fortunate with that show. I think it was amidst COVID, so I, I was kind of nervous it was going to get cancelled and um, ended up going ahead. And that was probably my first proper show since leaving Elam. And, um, that was through um, Art Week Auckland, and I think Jess Agustin Cleary she helped me. She's she's been one of the biggest supports of myself um, in terms of like the opportunities I've managed to get, and um, she's 
yeah, she's awesome. And she is she, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she helped me lock that place in, and it's it's a really cool space. I don't know if you've been. been yeah, there, I have. So. Yeah, it's a brilliant space. Yeah, down by Victoria Park Market. And, yeah, and. Tamaki Makaru. And they're really supportive of emerging artists and um yeah, it was it was really, really good to just get some work out there and work that I'm actually quite proud of. And oh yeah, and that was when I Oh so yeah, that would have been one year into COVID. So it was probably a year of painting that I exhibited. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And if you close your eyes, the that was the title of that mm-hmm. show, but then also it's the title of that very large painting, <laughs> which is incredible. And you told me earlier it's one of your favourites. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about that amazing work? Um, yeah, so I was painting in a garage at the time during lockdown, and I had this idea of... So earlier that year, I went out west coast to a Fidu Peninsula, and that was a really um, impactful moment for that next move of my work as well. Um, going to a Fidu, I was, was photographing like reference for another painting of my friend Anthony O'Gilvy, um, and he's in the fashion kind of industry. And he took me to his family location, and it was like this barren sand dune cliffside landscape really earthy and then you can just look out to the vast ocean in front of you and it's just endless pretty much and I've just thought that experience I just wanted to capture at a large scale and there's like it was an experience where there's no distractions no chaos of city life or no technology um, and it was almost like that experience I could have when I'm in my studio of peace and just where your mind can just wander for like like forever. Mm. <laughs> and so I had this huge roll of canvas anyway, and I just um, rolled it out on and stapled it to the wall. Um, and I think I started with the central figure, which was referenced from myself just in my studio because I, I – it was actually at a time during lockdown where I wasn't making anything. Oh, I, I was making things, but then there's nothing I was really like latching onto or could get into that zone of, uh, yeah. Um, of really thinking this is, I'm feeling really good about this. Yeah. And I just found myself procrastinating with my iPad or my phone in my hands the whole time and just being consumed by the meat like the news at the time um my connection to friends and like actual people was close to none because we weren't allowed to go out and see people so the only connection i had was through like skype or something or calling them Mm. it wasn't actually skype or zoom um yeah um so yeah i was like well, this is what I'm doing for most of the day, just having this iPad in my hand. And this is like my portal to like everything really um, at that time. And yeah, started painting this, that figure. And then I wanted to surround it by this landscape. Um, And it was when I was starting to finish it, 
I realized how could I, talking about how the viewer would view it, how can I encapsulate them more? Um, mm. And I thought of if it started to surround the viewer as they stand in front of it and I created this kind of half pipe structure which I mounted the canvas onto and then mount it onto the wall so it kind of yeah yeah it's incredible and so it's kind of coming off the wall on each end and and sort of curving isn't it yeah and it's it's rectangular this one it's not a a regular shape yeah but it has that but it's got the curve yeah yeah which is so interesting and it's so perfect for that particular landscape and that that painting has you know quite angry skies in the background as Mm -hmm. well and then that sort of amazing rocky um shoreline which almost looks slightly surreal the way you've painted it it's kind of just the perspective is interesting yeah what was happening there so the middle canvas, was, I think the floor kind of merges into the earthy landscape and then you've got the wires of my studio which kind of merge into the landscape as well as they disperse out. And so the middle canvas is kind of looking up and then I was like, what if the left canvas is more of a perspective of looking out and then the right one is more of a looking down perspective? Mm. So. It's more of an experimentation, like seeing how this could work. And yeah, I had just multiple images of a Fetu, so I was kind of like piecing them together and making aspects up. And it's really interesting. Just wanted to challenge that perspective, really. Yeah, and I think that sort of just adds another element, which definitely draws the viewer in because it's so unexpected. Yeah. And what are the people behind you? What are they about? Um, so I've had like, I like to leave it open for interpretation because I've had some interesting interpretations of those you know, figures. Um, I think there's seven or something. Yeah. It's weird because at the time I, I probably got it somewhere written down what it actually meant or why I wanted them there, but then it kind of changes as time moves, moves on. Mm. Um, they were referenced from, they were just like, um, nobody like people people i didn't know and i wanted i didn't want them to be people i knew they were just kind of reference from actually i think gucci's instagram just like fashion models really and cool. i just wanted these masked figures standing behind me kind of looking over my shoulder yeah it's very interesting and they're, they're yeah. masked and you're not masked this time yeah they yeah they could all be me too i don't know <laughs> yeah or like a very like a men mental version yeah commenting on part of your personality yeah or but something then, i don't know but then they all all their faces are painted red mm. and that's when i started working with um cadmium red as like an underpaint which was like that energy that kind of emerged that seeps through aspects of the painting yeah yeah and it's present in a lot of my recent it works really too. is isn't it it's very much a presence that color Colour red. Mm. So that was great that you had that solo show not long after you graduated. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And you have played with augmented reality. How does that look in your work? Yeah, well, I started, um, I think in that year after Elam, I started playing more around with the um, masked figure and I started using like a VR mask and I thought that was, it was interesting, but it was, I didn't want to be the VR, VR mask painter like that people recognize me as just painting VR masks on people because I find that it's like it's 
it's too obvious mm. what you're trying to communicate. Um, yeah, well, adding to like that augmented reality, I've I reference my um, environments off like imagery or experience of experiences I've had, but then again, I don't want to paint an exact space. I want it to be a space that could be real but could not be. Like it could just be totally made up, or it could be augment. Like it is augmented. Mm. To an, yeah, to an extent. So, yeah. Um, it's really interesting work. And how do you actually create a painting? What's what's your process? Um, process would be just um, starting with an idea. Um, often I'd be driving and or just sitting down and an idea would come to me. And where those ideas come from, I don't know, but then I also think that each None of my paintings are finished. They're stepping stones to the next one. Like if, and they, if I didn't paint the previous painting, I wouldn't have a paint. Like it wouldn't take me to the next painting I'm gonna do. So um, and a lot of my paintings, I'd come up with an idea for the painting originally, and then I'll think, how can I best like communicate this idea or what? what, Um, and then I'd reference previous work I've done and think about what I've done in those previous work styles I've used or techniques and imagery. So I like the idea of having like consecutive imagery or like, like I don't know, Easter eggs in my works that either are like a direct representation of a set, like not, not a direct representation, but like a Easter egg that will represent a part of myself in the painting. And for a lot of time it was like a pair of shoes that I'd always wear. So I'd just be a bit of me. And even though, the whole painting itself I always see as like a self-portrait because it's just coming out of myself. Mm. But, um, yeah, I start back to the idea, have an idea, make some sketches, some drawings, and sometimes I just put that them away if they're not, like, resolved. I just put them aside and then return back to them um, months later or something. But some ideas, just I need to see what happens, so I'd, just collect some imagery to help me get started, use those sketches. Sometimes I'd even just use Photoshop to play around with some different like um struct structures. Um and then yeah, roll out some canvas, chuck it on the wall, draw up this piece, um, and start painting away. And a lot of my recent or like last four years, I start with quite a loose drawing um, compared to earlier works where I would start and I'd be like, this is what I'm going to paint, like detail for detail. But now it's, I kind of let the process as well influence decisions or like how it's going to end up. Um, so I, I'm not too strict on myself when going into a new painting. Cause it's kind of fun, um, the uncertainty or like the, challenges that might come or obstacles and how you're going to navigate that and how that will influence the outcome mm. um yeah and, and so. do you do under an underpaint or you're saying that you're using red quite a bit oh yeah so yeah i've i do an underpainting of red like a red wash and it's cadmium red and i started doing that in my work for the show if you close your eyes and that actually, um, that red was actually came from 
I think it was influenced from my experience in China. Um, red's a, quite a dominant color over there. Mm. It, it represents um, quite quite a few. Um, what's it represent? It's like I don't know if it's because they've got colors like gold, red, and it's very like um, important to them. Mm, it's and almost they, like um, sacred. So yeah, yeah, sacred and. It, their colors follow a long tradition and as much like their work as well they have contemporary like a lot of chinese artwork can be very contemporary but there's a lot of um traditional techniques that's kind of all that so much history in their art that is still present mm. um which is quite quite very like interesting and inspiring too mm. and how do you apply the underpainting with your with your sketch Oh, so I um, so I apply apply the underpainting just with um, thinning it down um, right across your canvas. Yeah, I originally I didn't do it right across, but then I don't know. I I liked I think kind of saw red as like kind of universal language, but then red can also be like pain, and red can also be like it sounds corny, but like love and passion, passion and. Um, but yeah, but fire and so, um, yeah, looking like I keep saying I'm going to stop using red. I, I'm getting a bit carried away with it. <laughs> but then again, it's kind of like um, it's coming a part of my, um, I don't know. Uh, Your style. Yeah, language and style. Um, yeah, which I think is really cool. Thanks. Yeah, but. Yeah, I'd use it in different ways. Originally, it was just for underpainting, and I'd leave areas unpainted so the red could come through, um, the underpainting can come through. Um, but then I started using, in recent works, as an overtop, over the top of a painting. Um, yes, that was in yeah. your Reality Bites show, wasn't it? Yeah. In Arcadia. Yeah. Yeah, and that is incredible. That's like a... It's almost like a painting that you've created and then you've done a, a red wash over the entire painting and then created a, another <laughs> part of a painting on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those were kind of like three years in the making, those works, because um, the original painting was from three years ago, I think, and they were just sitting in my studio collecting up dust they were rolled up. They weren't stretched or anything. Um, and I think there's four in that series. There's two of the square ones, and then there's two of the um, non-traditional canvas-shaped ones. Um, yeah, and no, at that time, it was one of those periods where I didn't know what what I was gonna, where I was going. Um, I was kind of taking a bit of a break. I had, had a exhibition I just finished, and I was thinking, "Where's my new? Where's my? What's my next project?" And yeah, I think I was talking to Jess Agerson again, and she we're talking about. I was talking to her about reflecting on the last four years since Elam and the works I've created, and how they follow a journey. They might not look connected, but they are inherently connected. And I was starting to think of them as like a comic book or a movie, and then I was. I remember I had these canvases rolled up in my studio, so I just unrolled them and I was just looking at them and I thought that was just interesting kind of going back in time, thinking how looking at myself 
when I was painting those works. And like how I was a different person then to how I'm a different person now. And I wanted to kind of compare those two, but also show that how connected they still were. And that red wasn't actually planned. I started painting over top of it with these figures, um, these masked falling figures or the floating figures. Um, But then the separation wasn't like there needed to be something to separate the two but also connect them more um so yeah the red wash over top really um i just i think it was late at night once and i was like i think i'm just going to give it a go and Mm. just started painting over it and then i I was kind of happy with how it looked Um, oh yeah they are amazing oh thanks they are really striking and really unique thank you yeah, I had an interesting comment when the show was on that um, someone was talk like mentioned how red can be quite like a like a fiery or like fierce color, but these are quite calming. And I don't know if it's the red or the subject matter, but or mm. maybe both. But yeah, well, were... there's so much movement in them, especially you know your self, the self portraits through time three mm-hmm. and self-portraits through time two yeah. where they're, they're actually people sort of falling it's like they're falling um and it's really interesting the way you've created those figures with the the gray and quite sort of neutral clothing and sort of yeah. really loose pants long pants and loose t-shirts mm-hmm. which have got the most incredible folds and you know that's just gorgeous the way that you've captured that um and there's that sort of red undertone in those but it's such a beautiful contrast with the red behind. Yeah, and thanks. so that's sort of to me, it's got that softness of the fabric, mm. which is really a beautiful contrast to what's happening in the background. Yeah, and it's interesting because those original paintings were from that year after Elam, and there's so much going on. I couldn't. I so much details in my like too much going on in the paintings where there wasn't a focal point and my ideas or what I was communicating wasn't clear and then seeing that new portrait on top where I was like what do I want to focus on and what am I trying to communicate or capture and just having that simple figure Mm. um, there and I really I wanted them all to be wearing like the same clothes like I, I want people to think who are they what are they what are they like real i don't know like um what they represent and all that but i also really wanted to focus on the detail of the folds and the clothes and the lighting and um yeah uh, yeah and i think it kind of worked with that neutral gray tone of the Mm. yeah and the light the way you've captured the light is quite phenomenal and I'm really interested to know what the title 01000101, it's just all these numbers, <laughs> zeros and ones, yeah. um, in, both, in two of those um, red and portraits. Binary. So that's what were you trying to say with that title? Well, people can decode them if they want to. <laughs> so it can be decoded into... So one's a four-letter word and the other's a three-letter word. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they're, they're actual names that I put into a binary translator. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. 
And what was the purpose for that? Was it like another mask? Yeah, definitely another mask. But um, also, like, it's kind of like where the period we're in right now is a like a n- modern renaissance, like a new renaissance, where it's like the huge things are happening in the technology technological world. And as humans, we're incredibly fastly adapting into this or coming assimilated um, with technology more so than we kind of expect i feel (laughs) Mm. so um it was kind of a comment like a look at that because those figures aren't actually anyone in particular the faces on those portraits there i'm referenced from a ai generator which is quite fun because even though i don't copy them directly i use them as reference but people would see them and expect them to be real and it's like a lot of things these days we assume it's real but i'm like i don't know Mm. i I always question myself it sounds woo woo kind of stuff but like how do we know what's real and what's not yeah well it's so true it's not the more you think about it the more freaky it becomes yeah yeah so um and the world of filters as well kind of that there's almost like a ai of some form yeah for sure definitely how people can manipulate their faces or their identity through social media and mm. yeah it's, yeah it's, it's like we're all making robots of ourselves <laughs> yeah freaky <laughs> and then the people in those in those paintings they're all either falling or sort of elevated mm-hmm. and they're not sort of in this space yeah so i when i was painting them i thinking of them just moving through time or floating through i don't know where they are <laughs> where they really are it's just like an internal more of an internal portrait or a look at something like I'm present now in this room but then once you close your eyes you can I don't know be be somewhere else be somewhere else to Mm. an extent or Or are you really here yeah (laughs) or am I just floating in red (laughs) and my red floating figure has transported me here yeah (laughs) too many questions (laughs) but it is so interesting isn't it so you created in 2021 and into 2022 a series called Through the Mist. Yep. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, so um, that one, again, emerged during COVID, during lockdown. Um, and they, it was quite an experimental series of works, actually. They was just playing around with different... Um, subject matters still looking at the portraits and figures and environments and but looking at different shaped canvases and starting to paint i don't know more i don't i don't like i don't like the word surrealism but like these floating floating bits of land and um i was just wondering how i can communicate the feeling of myself in that moment of just feeling like just floating hoping that i don't know the mist will there'll be something good beyond the mist. Mm, and you were going to emerge at some point. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I started painting these, like, people. I think there's a painting called Through the Mist in that series. It was a large mountainscape with the mist and then these people moving through it or towards it. Um, and that was quite a large work as well, and I kind of wanted to create it 
large as well for when the viewer looks at it they become a part of the um audience moving through or um yeah yeah that group of people sort of moving through towards the mountains yeah yeah and you really do feel that and that's quite an unusual shape as well it's like square at the top and then comes to a point at the bottom yeah like almost like a crest yeah for sure it is like a crest yeah um but also those works was I was also thinking about the importance of connection with people around you and um yeah and I was also thinking how where those works actually emerged from and I think at the start of 2020 I was just out in Murawai at one of the lookouts um and I think I went out there just to watch the sunset and just that experience of watching the sunset was just like really peaceful and yeah, it was tranquil and mm. nice and there's something nice about just watching a sunset and there's people around you as well watching the same thing. And it reminded me of like a quote I once, I think read or heard, I can't remember who it was from, but it was a um, hundred people on the beach watching a sunset is a hundred different sunsets. And that's because just every single person has a different experience and I almost see the painting as a sunset like in that situation where a hundred people will look at a painting and it's a different experience for every single person and that's why sometimes I don't like giving away too much information in my works but just letting them be a part of the work and just taking away what they want and interpreting how they want Mm. and yeah those works were kind of about about that um, that's very cool that you came to Miruai and it's full circle. You've come back to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those works, again, have, you know, some of them are interesting, irregular shapes, the actual paintings mm-hmm. um, on the stretched frames, on the frames. Um, and then you also have some quite like cloud-like framing around <laughs> your work, which is really interesting. And then one of them also has almost people outside the frame. Yeah, so that work there, that was um, over a year in the process because I started, I moved into Parnell at the start of 2021 for a couple of months and I was living in this like kind of like Harry Potter kind of room under someone's house. Well, it was bigger than Harry Potter's room, but it was just kind of like this dark dungeon kind of room. It was really cool though. Um and I had this painting I was working on, and it was just a painting of the space, but myself in the space. Um, and I never really finished it. And then moving forward, I was uh, uh, probably like eight months later, I started thinking about the um, frames again, or like how how my choice of canvas shapes influence the audience to interpret a different way so I was like how can I apply this to this already square painting or triangle paint rectangle painting (laughs) and um yeah so I thought what if I have this like 3d kind of frame on it um what kind of effect would this do and I'm I had the materials at home to do it so I it was actually one of those ideas where I would write down and draw up a little sketch and just put it aside for a couple of months 
and then I was like, just kept thinking about it. I was like, well, I'm just going to try it and just do it. Um, and yeah, I was quite happy with how it worked. And um, in the painting itself, there's the same figures, and then on the frame, there's the same figures. So it's kind of like um, it it's can really, be interpreted yeah, in multiple ways. Different but, ways, but it's such an interesting show that you had. That was at Studio One Toy Two, wasn't it? That yeah, show? yeah. It was. It's very interesting visually because it's not only just the amazing paintings that you've made, but the different shapes. And then, you know, you've got, like, frames that have got lots of sort of, like, moulding paste or plaster yeah. on them, and then that sort of woven texture with the, then with the painting and within that. Mm-hmm. I'll put all of those photos on, the, on your blog post so people can have a look at that to see what we're talking about. But, yeah, yeah it's just really interesting, and it's very, it's very fresh and new. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I really actually liked those moulding kind of, like, frames the um rough texture of it because a lot of what i paint is referenced from nature and natural landscapes but then when i paint it i kind of it becomes just unnatural because i'm just paint like and i wanted to do the same thing with the frame have this kind of natural texture but then with paint over with it white just to show like natural and man-made kind of yeah, our interaction with that. Mm, it's a lovely contrast. Yeah, and I think it's a it's probably a technique or like a something I'm going to use in future works. And I really enjoy the um, sculptural element of it too. That it's not just a painting, but seeing what I can do with a painting. Yeah, and you are really taking that your paintings to another level, you know, and making them as you say more sculptural, which is really interesting. So I know that you were working in Pukekohe mm-hmm. and your studio was there and that was your happy place while you were yeah. at Elim. Yep. So uh, where are you now, Logan, with your so, studio? Yeah, I recently moved in with my partner and we moved to One Tree Hill. So I'm um, lucky to have a two-bedroom, one-bedroom converted into a, a studio space and had actually my first day yesterday in it. And it was just nice to finally get back into the studio because... The last month or so has been very little painting or time for myself to just paint and create. So it's, yeah, refreshing to get back in there and mm. set up and have a bit more, I don't know, order or structure. Yeah, that's yeah. so great to have it all there. And do you normally paint on on flat canvas on the wall? Yeah, but I've, and that would usually be in a garage, but now I'm not in a garage, I'm in a bedroom, I kind of have to. A well ventilated bedroom too, because I'm painting with oil paints. So, um, um, but you can't splash it around the place. So yeah, much. <laughs> you can't have too much fun. I got a cheap roll of um boat carpet though, so I rolled that on the floor. It worked really well, and I've just got a good easel. And just I'm thinking I might um, mount some um, ply board to the easel because it's quite a strong easel, and then I can just drill into the ply board and. Mm. Or, yeah. That's a good idea. And do you have many paintings on the go usually? Yeah. I prefer working on multiple at a time, really. Um, although right now I'm in a period where I'm, it's, I've got a bit of planning to do for where I'm going next, what my next project's going to be, um, and where, where am I going to do it. Um, so right now I'm just working on a couple of just casual paintings, two com- like two commissions and like a portrait for my grandparents because... Yeah. Amazing. Just for their Christmas presents, so hopefully they don't hear this. (laughs) (laughs) 
tell them they can't hear it until after Christmas. Yeah. That's so nice. And how special to, um, you know, to gift something of yours like that that can be passed down to, yeah. through the generations. So great. I hope your parents have got plenty of your work as well. Oh, yeah, I'm very fortunate. Like, Dad's stores a lot of my work and his home is pretty much, like, covered in my works. Um, yeah. That's so know. good. It's a bit overwhelming sometimes. It just becomes like... Um, a shrine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then again, it's just like wallpaper. It's, you just see them all the time and you're just used to it. So I think there's an extent where there's too much on the walls, so you don't appreciate them as much. But um, yeah, in my new place, I'm going to be more careful of how I mm. curate. Oh, my girlfriend and I are going to choose what paintings are going to go where. And Yeah. In my opinion, there's never too much. No, I, I like a busy hang. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. Like a yeah. traditional salon. Yeah, <laughs> totally love it. And um, you have talked about how you sell your work. You're with Artful online, so you can see yep. your work through that. Mm-hmm. That's artful.co.nz. Yep. And I'll put the links on your blog post, of course. Um, and you're not with a gallery in particular at the moment? No, not at a gallery, not yet. Um, Do you have goals to be part of a dealer gallery and is that the holy grail for you? Not really, no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, sure, dealer galleries would be fun, but I don't know if the right opportunity comes along and uh, the right contract and all that. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty special, but um, right now I'm quite happy just at my own pace, um, started a couple part-time jobs as well, which has taken a bit of pressure off, um, and they've been really fun at the French art shop and also a teaching job. So um, they teach me a lot as well, and um, I think that's important for me too, not just to worry about making money through art because that can take away from the whole process of making art authentically, I feel. So, um yeah, I'm happy making it at my own pace for now. And mm. and then just having group shows or solo shows yeah. at different, different yeah, sure. galleries or, or spaces. Yeah, yeah. And there's opportunities out there. Like you can just apply um, apply for them, hope to get them. Mm. Yeah. So. And what's on the agenda coming up? My goal coming into 2023 will be just to focus on creating some work that I'm really happy with and in the meantime um, doing some group shows connecting maybe with other artists that inspire me or that I've been looking at for quite a while seeing other opportunities that might come up and then eventually work towards a solo show I guess and And do you like the idea of showing your work in a in a space that you've created, not in not necessarily a gallery or some sort of artist space. Yeah, I. So that recent exhibition at um, Arcadia was pretty cool because it was not the conventional studio space. It was in a. It was kind of unexpected. Like um, a lot of passerbys that frequent that area, they would be kind of surprised to see these colourful like works or strange works in this. <laughs> old sushi shop yeah <laughs> that it used to be and um yeah i think that's really important for like um especially um i think going to galleries can be intimidating or like 
for people and just to give the everyday person walking to work or that wouldn't frequent or like go out of their way to go to a exhibition um yeah have an opportunity just to go to a space that's not too overwhelming or mm. that they feel like they have to be someone else to go into yeah and also i love the um openings of exhibitions because they're kind of like a bring people together yeah yeah and it's so great for the audience to be able to see the artists and speak with them and yeah. get a whole new appreciation for what they're doing yeah for sure when you have those conversations yeah, and that Arcadia, it was in the um, Queen's Arcade in Queen Street, mm-hmm. which was just, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was old shops that weren't um, vacated. Yep. And um, then just showing your work in, in mm-hmm. these little spaces or just showing with one other person, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And there were quite a few different shops with different artists in it. And it was it was just the best. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Real it was fun. really cool. Yeah, and how do you find marketing yourself and putting yourself out there? Um, so I'm, I pretty much just use Instagram. Um, can she check stuff on Facebook, but I'm terrible at it, really. <laughs> I um, go through stages where I'll like post like once a week, but then stages where I won't post for a month. And it's, it's I kind of tell myself I, I'm silly for doing that because when I do post, they op- like I'm more likely to get opportunities through there. Mm. But then again, it's like, well, I'm mentally, I'm not ready to post. I don't want to post. So sometimes I have to force myself to post just to mm. get myself out there. So in terms of marketing, it has been, it is challenging. And I think it's quite common as an artist, for artists, creative minds to have a more business outlook or like balance those two things. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a very common challenge <laughs> yeah. for artists. I mean, that is, I guess, another, not just showing your work, but building those networks and those Mm. communities. Instagram is good for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is good. So, Logan, we are on to our last four questions, which Mm -hmm. I ask every guest at the end. We'd love to know who your favourite New Zealand artists are and if they've influenced your work at all. Yeah, well, there is an extensive range of artists that influence me, and I think think it's so inspiring seeing so many young artists my age and even younger just creating authentic, um, genuine works. And, um, yeah, I find that really inspiring. And I've met most of them through Instagram. And I think it's cool too because on Instagram, I know a lot of artists I follow, they share my works too, which I find is really cool. It's like they're not just promoting themselves. They're promoting their friends' works, other works. And... Like, I'm terrible at posting on Instagram, but that's something I want to do. I want to, like, help, not help, but just share their mm. work and just yeah. let people know how how cool, like, the New Zealand art scene is and the talent that is there and the minds and different, you know, operating minds there are. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, um, older, more established artists, I've always loved, um, like, Andrew McLeod's work. And seeing his development, and I love his paintings too. So, um, yeah, but there's a whole range of works. Um, and as an artist, what's your biggest challenge apart from marketing? Self doubt. <laughs> it's definitely a battle. Some days are good, some days are bad. But you got to just push through them and just. I, I find it like 
I can get caught up on what other people think about me, or which is silly because I'm not out to offend anyone. I'm, I just want to be happy and support other people. And I don't know. Yeah, it's but self doubt really gets me down to questioning why am I doing this. Mm. Um, and do you find you get inside your head a bit, and, and the painting is sort of a, a release for that? For sure. Yeah, I'm really good at getting inside my head, <laughs> um, but. Painting on most of the time, yeah, is really good for dealing with those situations. Um, and you kind of just have to—I have to remind myself that at the end of the day, I'm doing this is my for myself, and I'm always going to be doing this. And other opportunities that come through this, I'm just very thankful for. Um, I think no matter what, I would have to be creating in some way or form. Mm. Isn't it interesting with artists that? It's just one of those careers where people are allowed to say what they think and and <laughs> respond to what you're doing in a way that's not necessarily positive, which is actually, you know, there's not that many careers where people, you know, have to be open to potential criticism yeah, or judgment or, you know, um, making sort of assumptions around your work or, you know, mm. it's just, it's actually quite complex, isn't it? Yeah, it is, is. It is strange. Like, um, art is a commentary on like the moment, really. Like in the time we're in. But yeah, I think it just comes down to what people interpret things differently. Every single person has a different mind and a different way of seeing something. And I think it's helpful having those conversations, those critical conversations, because like, um, I'm not one to hold on to beliefs or thoughts that I might have. And if someone tells me or like if i learn something from someone else i'm not going to be able to fence i'll be like well thanks for teaching me that like i'm i like to go into situations with quite an open mind yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah painting like is so personal for for myself what, what i do and i think that's why sometimes i'm hesitant to put on instagram or something i'm just worried like not no one says anything bad but like it's like even if they did it's just like i'm just putting it out here you just yeah uh, yeah but it's just so personal and i think it's kind of like a part of you, or it is a part of you that you're just an inner part of you, and it's just a vulnerable moment of sharing. So, yeah, that's why I guess it can be quite sensitive. Mm, definitely. So what would you say, Logan, to your younger artistic self? Well, I was, I was thinking about that, and if I went back in time and, like, talked to my younger self, I'd... I'd be worried that that would change my directory and where I am right now. And I'm pretty happy where I am right now. So, um, but if I was to say something, I'd, I'd probably say, um, don't be afraid to make more mistakes and don't worry what people think about you. But yeah, just don't get, don't get too caught up on your ideas. Just relax mm. as long as you're happy. And why do you think you make the kind of work you make? Um, because I'm just interested in everything that's around me, really. Um, who we are, the person, um, consciousness, nature, and how we've manipulated and created this environment that we now live in. Um, there's just so much stimuli out there, and there's so much going on that it's just so overwhelming. and. I just need to sometimes just paint to 
create some order of it, I guess. So, so yeah, um, that's probably why I create what I do now. Well, Logan, that brings us to the end, sadly. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed meeting you. You, at 25, I just feel like you've got this whole incredible life ahead. I know you're going to go so well. <laughs> I can just sense it. And like Jessica, I'm going to have you back in 10 years' time on the podcast. Yeah. We can see what you're up to, and I'm sure it will be something incredible. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for sharing your personal journey and your incredible art practice with us. And uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had like heaps of fun being, being able to speak. Yeah, it's been a cool experience. Thank you. Thank you. Done. Cool.